In the marketing communications landscape, commercial sponsorships are often viewed as somewhere between invaluable marketing tools and a chairman's whim. Fortunately, this is beginning to change, with sponsorships maturing for mere bit players to play in genuine and major roles in delivering commercial returns and benefits. But how do we know when it's done correctly and efficiently? Salesandmedia.com decided to ask some experts and try and find out what really makes sponsorships commercial. Hi, this is Paul Gardner, and today I'm talking to Susanna Bishop, who is the Chief Experience Officer for Fed Square. Hi, Susanna. Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm good. How are you? What does a Chief Experience Officer do? Well, um, I oversee a team who work together to curate and, and I suppose constantly improve the, the experience of the people that come and visit Fed Square. Everybody that interacts with the customer, being the, the marketing department, the event planning department, commercial uh, dealings, as well as the programming, creating all of those activities that we, we bring to Fed Square. And how does a chief experience officer do all that when you don't have experiences at the moment? <laughs> That's a really good question and it's been certainly uh, on the minds not only of all customer experiences but most businesses at the moment. We're struggling a lot as you can imagine. We don't, all our retail is closed. We also can't host any of our events which is uh-huh. yeah. um, something we're really proud to bring a kaleidoscope of experience. So we're taking this time to really plan, plan how we can do things better when we come back and, and most importantly we're using this time to review all of the terrific content we've gathered over the years and bring them through a virtual platform. So in the last two weeks, we've um, we've created the virtual square and the virtual square will bring most of the physical experiences, but in a virtual context. So if you were able to come to Fed Square in the past and do Tai Chi, you can now download um, your own Tai Chi class. If you've loved coming to see a, a community festival, a cultural festival, we'll be doing some master classes with, with different communities. We've also making it easier for you to do virtual tours. Fed Square has always been offering architectural tours on site. We're now offering a virtual architectural tour where you can learn about the history of Fed Square, learn about that process of us being heritage listing and what that involves. So as much as possible, we're trying to remain connected and provide those experiences virtually whilst we can't meet. Susanna, I mean, we've had this conversation with a few people over the last few weeks around COVID-19. And a lot of them have talked about, yeah, it's a pause, things will return to normal. But others have said, no, it's not a pause, it's going to be a restart. When you talk about the virtual tours and the, and the virtual events you're hosting, do you think they'll continue post-COVID or do you think this is something that will just disappear and we'll get back to business as usual? Yeah, I think that's a really, really good question. And we've always talked about a virtual square. We just never had the need for a virtual square. We felt that people really enjoyed coming to Fed Square. And if we were to add content online, that we wouldn't get the same appreciation or the same numbers. And I think what this has done is given us a platform to accelerate any virtual opportunities. So I do feel that some people will be more open to virtual experiences. I think a lot of us didn't know that didn't know how to access certain activities online have learned and maybe have enjoyed that what that meant and will continue. 
So I think we'll see a new normal, which is a bit of a hybrid between the two. Fed Square, since it opened in 2002, I believe has attracted 100 million visitors. I mean, I imagine a large proportion of that would be overseas and interstate, which obviously we're not going to see for a year. Is it going to be more focused towards attracting Melburnians back into town and back into the city? Yes, absolutely. So we have uh, two years in a row, according to data from the state government, been the most visited venue, the second most visited destination from interstate and international visitors. What compared to like the zoo and the art gallery? And absolutely. We've we've had uh, more interstate and international overnight oh. visitors than even MCG or NGV. So we've, we've really been privileged from being that place where people come to meet before they do their Melbourne um, journey. And we've leveraged that by working closely with Visit Victoria as well so we can provide a lot of information. In the past with the Visitor Centre, we've been able to assist a lot of those visitors. That has started to shift when we lost the Visitor Centre for the Metro Works. So we've been looking a lot more at our uh, experience to Melburnians since that stage and we regularly uh, do a lot of surveys with Melburnians to understand what do they need out of Fed Square? With that train track, how long is that going to be there before it's open? We're talking four or five years, surely. Yeah, absolutely. I think at least another four years. Hopefully now with not a lot of people through Fed Square, they've um, been able to, to do a bit more work and a bit more noise. But I think we're looking at a good four years ahead of us, uh, which will be great. It will be great for the city and it will be great for Fed Square. But um, at the same time, it does change what, what the space was uh, initially designed to be. So, yes, I think attracting Melburnians and, and regional tourists is really important to us. So we'll we, we really look at our different segments and audiences and, and what experiences they, they like and we try to cater for those through a lot of research and, and surveys. It was originally set up as a venue for arts, culture and public events and there's obviously a lot of controversy of recent times around the East development and placing the Apple Store there. I mean, how much from a commercial point of view did that set Fed Square back? Well, the way we look at ourselves is it's a place for culture to exist and culture can take many shapes. So culture is not just the arts. The culture of Melburnians is also reflected in their love of football and their love of many other expressions. So for us, we still feel that we are a cultural destination. And with Apple, obviously, since Apple plans were denied, we've, we've moved through a position of supporting the other experiences that we have and, you know, being really carefully aligned to those experiences in terms of attracting commercial opportunities. What are the brands that are particularly concerned about community areas that want to add value to communities? So those are the brands that we want to align ourselves in the commercial space. Recently, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, I'm a bit lost during COVID, you launched <laughs> the concept around that Fed Square was anything but square and obviously COVID's anything but just a normal pandemic. How has that marketing proposition really taken off with your stakeholders? 
So I, I think once Apple was out of the cards and everybody looked at Fed Square saying, now what? Uh, even the government announced a review. What's the purpose of Fed Square? How do we want Fed Square to be? I think we listen to the public and we listen to the review and we particularly listen to the fact that people like to see a vibrant Fed Square. So the anything but square position is our commitment to bringing vibrance to the square from a programming point of view. It's working to curate activities. It's working with our partners, our stakeholders like NGV and ACME to support their, their expression and also working with the commercial partners to, to really design things that are a bit quirky, a bit different and expected so that when people come to the square, they can experience a, a kaleidoscope of offer. You've stated an ambition I saw on the website earlier to be recognised internationally as a contemporary world site. And I, re- I saw that you won the sixth best public space of public square in the world. I mean, how important is that award and how do you actually become a contemporary world site? What, what, what is that made of? It's absolutely uh, critical for us and it is part of our business plan and it's it's a business plan that we make available on our website. We do reputation as an international iconic destination is essential to us and everything we do, we put the lenses of how would a, an iconic and, and globally recognised place behave. So for us, having an award like that and having that recognition uh, drives us to, to create experience experiences that really position us in that space. I'm talking to Susanna Bishop, who's the Chief Experience Officer for Federation Square in Melbourne, which Barry Humphreys once described as a collection of Italian luggage, but we'll move past that. (laughs) Susanna, when you look at Fed Square, and obviously uh, I can look at it from an outsider, and I see things like your tenants like Acme and and Ian Potter Centre, the only one I can really see that's got a a standout sponsorship is is Deacon Edge. what, what, what sort of sponsorships do you have on a permanent basis for FedSquare? Yeah, so I think the market for sponsorship is changing a lot and has shifted from naming rights, which is the case of the Dick and Edge, to more of an experience or a position. So the way we work with our sponsors is actually with the delivery of activities we programmed the square over a period of, of 12 months into anchor programs. So maybe Christmas, New Year's, it may be a summer of sport or anything but square festival. And then we'll work with sponsors to really benefit from the content and to really benefit from the audience that will come and attend some of those experiences. So you won't see a lot of big naming rights at Fed Square, but you will see a lot of brands working with us to deliver experiences to really enhance the experience that you have once you come to an activity at Fed Square. And are they looking for a particular quantitative number or an ROI? So I imagine when you're comparing it to other things, let's let's say married at first sight or something traditional, mm. that it's hard to put line up a function in Fed Square where people might just walk across from Flinders Street Station, might stay for so many minutes, five minute minutes. I mean, how do, how do you sell 
a sponsorship in Fed Square is on qualitative or quantitative measures? I think it's a combination. Um, I think uh, what Fed Square enables brands to do is have access to a mini campaign on site. So we've got a digital facade that can play at um, short videos and advertising. You've got a lot of signage areas of opportunities and you also have that experiential factor which allows you to provide an activity to customers. So when we work with brands, we actually developed a mini campaign over a period of time and they will be offered um, high-density locations where the flow is great, you know, coming Swanson Street or coming out out of uh, Flinders Station, but they will also have all those other elements, you know, they're hearing a video, they're seeing the brands, they're touching the product. So it's the combination of factors that I think are so important. So geography, we're really blessed with our geography, but most importantly as well, I think the the community aspect and and brands have shifted to, to want to be to want to provide more to community, to want to be aligned to what community wants to to see. Susanna, you've you've actually hit on one point which is quite interesting for me, which is around the, the Apple store, which caused such a major public controversy. Are there brands that you just would not put into Fed Square? I mean, would you do fast food? I mean what what does the chart look like for you in a commercial sense? I think we like to align with brands that have a purpose and I think brands want to have a purpose that that really aligns with the the sense of community that we we create for Fed Square. It's a place where people meet, it's a place where people come to express themselves and having a brand that has a purpose and that has a benefit to community really really aligns with with the experience we're trying to to create. I think Apple was an interesting past. <laughs> We've moved on yeah. from there, but now we really we're really looking at commercial experiences, things that add value to to what people come to do when they when they are Fed Square. In your previous life you've worked obviously the Australian Grand Prix Corporation and the, the showgrounds or the Royal Agricultural Show Victoria. How is this different for you? So the Grand Prix, it's heavily reliant on commercial activities to to be able to deliver the event. It's a subsidised event by government. It is it's a costly experience that really the commitment of the, the Grand Prix is to maximise revenue so that it can invest in the uh, activity. And to a certain degree, Fed Square is very similar. We want to generate commercial appropriate revenue that we can then utilise that to make Fed Square better and to create more experiences for Fed Square. So in a way, um, sponsors and commercial partners, they, they add the value that an organisation may not have the revenue or the budget to, to create. Which one was the easiest one to sell? Well, see, the Grand Prix is such a strong brand. Formula One's a very strong brand, and and there is a very captive audience of motor enthusiasts. So it's a very clear value proposition. Fed Square has a really broad audience, and and one could argue that we have many value propositions. So it becomes mm. it becomes a bit tougher. Also, we've got to have the commitment to align the right brand to the right offering. So it, it's it's a bit more complicated. <laughs> Could you ever see a time where Fed Square was called something like the Qantas Fed Square or Kia Fed Square? Can you ever see that 
ever happening? No, I, I honestly can't see it ever happening. And it's it's not a purist approach. I think it's uh, aligning Fed Square community asset with with a brand puts a lot of power to that brand. And right. if if that brand ever went to go under, or if that brand ever had an issue with their reputation, it would impact a public space. So I don't think it would be ever an approach that our board or, or government would, would ever look at. Susanna, when we come out of the coronavirus, hopefully in the next month or so, we're going to see a lot of activity, a lot of sports activity. Melbourne basically jam-pack everything into a couple of months. How will Fed Square take advantage of that and how will they make their offer to sponsors more appealing? So Fed Square is it's such an essential piece of the puzzle of events coming back. We're right in the heart of the city. We see a lot of um, community expression in that space. And I think we want to have the position of enabling events and supporting the events community to recover. We'll be doing a lot of work to allow events to come back and to support those events to come back. So a lot of the work that we're doing now is planning for that recovery, is planning for a staged approach that's safe, that enable people to come whilst we still have the the dangers of, of COVID-19. But we, we aim to get to a place where we'll be like before. But uh, it will be tough for a few event organisations that, you know, have lost a lot of money, uh, are probably in a, in a really difficult situation. So we, we hope that we can be an enabler, that we can be someone to help the industry, the events industry to recover. Do you see it being cheaper? Suddenly the, the you know, the products you're asking X dollars for in January are now X lesser percent? Or do you, or do you see that that's the price and We'd rather do without the client if we can't get that number. I think we'll be looking at every avenue to support the industry coming together. One of those avenues will be working with each um, event company or event service to look at their circumstances, is trying to get more commercial partnerships so that we utilise those commercial partnerships to support the recovery of of events in, in the industry. So we'll have to, we're trying to be very creative. We're trying to find ways to create more value, more value for the customer that will increase attendance and obviously everybody benefit from that. But I think it's really, really important that we, we bring that vibrancy of events and that we're support their industry to come back. Well, Susanna, I know that you're um, a busy person. I know you're finishing your MBA and you have two children being homeschooled. <laughs> we greatly appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. I'm talking to Susanna Bishop, the Chief Experience Officer for Fed Square. Thank you for your time. Oh, such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And it's a, it's a great podcast and I really um, feel privileged to be part of it. Thank you. Thank you.